My dad died. I miss my friends because of... I don't know how to tell my friends that. I want to help my friends. I don't know how. The pandemic has left me feeling very lonely. How can I best support students in my classroom? The morning meeting is meant to be a place to let you know that you are not alone. We can get through this together. So join us. Listen, learn, share your stories. This is the morning meeting. Hi, and welcome to the morning meeting. I am Mandy Zucker, your host. I'm excited today to have Brett Levine on the podcast. He has been working in New Jersey schools for over 25 years and has also worked on the other side of the desk as a college admissions officer at Adelphi University and New York University. We're going to talk today about how to find the right emotional fit when you're looking at colleges for kids that are grieving. I think we spend a lot of time focusing on the right academic fit, but we don't necessarily talk about the right emotional fit. So how do you find it? How do you make sure you're getting your needs met when you are looking at colleges? So I'm really excited to talk to him today. I hope you enjoy the interview. So Brett Levine, thank you so much for coming on the morning meeting. We're really happy to have you here today. Thank you, Mandy. It's great to be here. So before we get started, why don't you just tell us a little bit about you and how you got involved in the college admissions process? Sure, sure. Well, I've been working in different areas of education for almost 30 years. And this past September, I started my my 21st year as a school counselor in New Jersey. And most of those 21 years have been spent in high schools. But about two years ago, an opportunity arose to move to a counseling position in an elementary school, uh, which is something I always had an interest in. And it's been a, a great experience to work with elementary schools for the past you know, year and a half or so. And I work with younger kids to develop skills around empathy, emotion management, problem solving, mindset. Um, but I also remain very passionate about college counseling, which is something I did 25 years prior to working in an elementary school. So in addition to working in an elementary school, I also have my private um, private college counseling business, which is called Sensible College Counseling. And I write a little bit about college admissions as well. So it's great. I work with elementary school students during the day and high school students in the evening and the weekend and summer vacation. That's awesome. I um we've known each other for a few years now. I wish I knew I have a college. I mean, I have a high school senior as we speak, so we're <laughs> a little late to the game, but I could have used you a few months ago. <laughs> I'm sure it worked out very well. I'm hoping. We're still in the process, <laughs> so I'm hoping it works out. Deep so, breaths, Mandy. Deep breaths. <laughs> thank you. Um, so tell me a little bit, just what do you see out there as far as like stress? And the college admissions process, just generally, we could talk a little bit more specifically, we're going to talk about mental health, but right now, just like, what are some of the things that high school students are dealing with, with the college admissions process? Well, you know, when you talk about stress in the college admissions process, I think, and and this is what my personal practice focuses on, um, I think what I like to stress is that it doesn't have to be a stressful process. You know, there are situations in our life that are going to be naturally stressful and that are going to naturally cause us anxiety. 
uh, the loss of a loved one, maybe losing a job, financial insecurity, bringing a, an infant home from the hospital. But I truly believe, and I think most high school counselors would agree with me, that the college admissions process is not a process that by its very nature is organically stressful. The stress that is associated with the college admissions process is one that we create, not that the process creates. Hmm. That's really interesting. And I'll say true in my case, I know I have created some stress around the process when it might not have needed to be so stressful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, So how do we avoid that? Too late for me, but for the next person, how do we avoid that? Well, I, I think there are a lot of different ways to avoid it and a lot of different practical things that families can do. And I think the first thing that we need to realize, Mandy, is that kids pick up on the energy from their parents, you know, and they pick up on the mindset and the language that their parents are are delivering. So, for example, if if when a kid is in eighth grade, they hear their parents say, oh, Tommy from up the block. He got rejected from Duke and he had perfect scores and uh, it's so impossible. You know, the kid is going to feel that energy and feel that anxiety. But if the parent says, hey, that kid from up the block, he got rejected from Duke, but he's going to have so many great other opportunities, that's going to change the culture in the house. So I think first and foremost, parents need to watch what they're saying and how they're saying that because kids are going to pick up on that energy. Absolutely. Yeah. So I don't know, was your kid, did your kid feel the anxiety from you, Mandy? I think so. I, I mean, I shouldn't say that. I think probably he felt some. I I think I'm very fortunate in that my kids are sort of like very relaxed and not, uh-huh. you know, they're like, mom, calm down. Like, <laughs> But I think, I think what he did pick up on was, um, I don't think he got too stressed about the process, but he, but the two of us were stressed, right? Mm-hmm. Because I would be like, you got to get this done. And what schools are you applying to? And what do you want your major to be? And he was like, mom, leave me alone. So there, that created a lot of tension within mm-hmm. the house. Right. And so, you know, if we could go back six months, I would say, Mandy, you know, keep yourself in check a little bit, right. you know, uh-huh. you, you really- could still say that to me because we have a right. decision. So. All right. I'm sure it's going to work out. <laughs> I think I should. Like, I still need to remind myself that, you know, he has decisions that he has to make, which are big decisions, you know, and I still need to, I need to calm myself down sometimes. Right. And, you know, I know, Mandy, from, um, you came to our school a couple of years ago, and you trained us. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you, like you said, when you spoke to the counselors, um, we have to have an empathetic ear, you know, and especially with the college process, especially with 18 year olds, yep. you have to listen, listen. And it's funny because sometimes, um, you know, most parents today who are going through the process um, with their children went through the process themselves in the eighties or nineties. And, and a lot of times they'll, they'll give anecdotes to their own kids, you know? And I think that's something else that causes stress. So like, when a parent says to a kid, hey, when I applied to college, I only applied to, you know, three schools and I didn't even have to study for the SATs. You know, that might be very well-intentioned, but I don't think it helps 
to process any. You know, I remember one guy who said, you know, during a conference, he was talking to his kid. Well, you know, my father didn't even know where I was going to college until the morning where I asked him to drive me, you know, and he didn't even stop the car, you know. You know, parents really like to kind of romanticize the past. And, you know, I would kind of, you know, if you're a parent, really try to keep those anecdotes to a, a, a minimum because I really don't think, um, you know, kids really want to hear it. They're kind of caught up in their their own anxiety, so to speak. And, right. and hearing this your stories and how much harder it is today, I don't really think it it helps the matter. Right. I think you're right that we need to be present to their reality. Exactly. Not ours. Exactly. Exactly. What do you think about kids who have experienced some significant losses or are dealing with some mental health challenges in addition to the college process that many of them are already going through? But what do you think? Should they should they disclose that information in a college application? How do they you know, let the school know if they are looking to make sure that they get the right kind of support? So that's a that's a great question. So it's actually two questions. Um, if a kid is has a reoccurring mental health concern, you have a responsibility to inform the college that he or she will be attending. Um, and you can do it either in the application process or the summer before, you know, uh, eight weeks before he or she steps foot on campus. You know, whether they should put it in the application um, in, a, in an essay or in a supplemental question, that is just something that is different for every student. It's a very situational question, and it's something that they should discuss with their school counselor. For some students, it's a good idea. For some students, it might not blend in with the other aspects of their application. So it's hard to say yes or no. It's really something that should be discussed. And I think even with professionals, there's no right or wrong um, piece of advice that we would uniformly give students. It's okay. on a case-by-case basis. But what about like a kid who's applying to a school that has some significant challenges and gets accepted, but they didn't know about those challenges? Well, that's a problem. That's a problem. You need to tell your school that you're matriculating about those challenges. You okay. have a, and, and the, the, the school, you know, they've seen it all. Colleges have seen it all, you know. You're not going to tell them anything that they haven't seen before. And they want to know because they want to put systems in place to support students. It's as simple as that. So you have your responsibility to inform uh, the school and they will, you know, they'll keep you or they should keep you on or keep the kid on their radar. Okay. And maybe it might be a good idea to sort of ascertain what mental health services are available prior to starting the school. So do you have any suggestions about how to do that, how to determine what are what services are available? I, I do. And um, it's very interesting because, um, as you know, more and more resources are being devoted to college mental health and more and more attention is being devoted to college mental health. Your podcasts, you know, there are a ton of student groups now on campus um, with their mission to to kind of help students who have mental health concerns. Um, The problem is this, Mandy. 
The problem is that when you listen to an admissions presentation, you know, they're going to talk about the size of the college, you know, study abroad, admissions requirements, but they are not going to talk about mental health services. So the other night, for example, I was at a virtual college fair, you know, and I heard five colleges present about themselves. It was online. In fairness to them, they didn't have a lot of time, but none of them spoke about the mental health services available to students. You know, they had time to talk about, you know, the cheesecake served in the dining hall and intramural dodgeball. Um, and I think that that's going to change. I think in about five or six years, when, when you go to a, a college information session, you know, it's going to be a regular part of the admissions presentation to talk about mental health services. But, but right now, parents need to do their due diligence and ask some really, really tough questions so they can ascertain, you know, the level of services available to each at each college, because it's going to be different across the board. Absolutely. And I think you're right. When I've been on these college tours, virtual as well as in person, they're not bringing it up. But I did notice, you know, my older son is a sophomore in college. So even within the past two years, the parents and students are bringing it up more than they did even two years ago. Yeah. So I think you're right that colleges are going to start, you know, catching on to that and they are going to start including it in their own presentations. They are, and they're going to have to. And, you know, there is a, a great, great, great book out right now. It's called The Price You Pay for College. Um, it's by Ron Lieber. And, you know, it's funny because most college admissions books, you know, they kind of recycle the old admissions wisdom, you know, and they might repackage it. But this book, Mandy, is so good because it, what it does is it really gives parents and students the ownership to ask some real, real difficult questions to colleges, you know, more than, you know, the typical admissions information you're going to get. Because we as parents have a right to know, you know, about outcomes with regards to, you know, academic integrity and how and who's teaching in the classroom and how kids are getting jobs. And he and he devotes like not a big chapter, maybe like a 15 page chapter all about mental health. And he says in this chapter, and it's so good, and he empowers parents. He says, you have a responsibility to find out about the mental health services on campus. You have to know how many visits you're entitled to. Is there a psychiatrist on staff? How long is there, there is there a waiting list to get services, you know? Um, what is the clinical load index? The clinical load index is the ratio of counselors to students, you know? And he also says, and this is very interesting, you should ask, you know, most departments on campus, whether it's an athletic department, career services, food service, whatever, they need to provide an annual report on what they're doing, how they're doing, how much, how they're spending their money. You have a right to ask for a copy of, a college mental health office, their annual report. He says you should do it. It's a very fascinating book. Wow, that's a really interesting idea to ask yeah. for that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you have a right to know the nuts and bolts of mental health service. So if you go to a big school like, um, you know, Ohio State, you should know, is there one mental health office on campus 
or is there a mental health office for the College of Engineering and the College of Education? I mean, you should really dig yes. deep. I have been speaking to different universities and I have been impressed that, I, that I've heard more counseling centers are now moving out of a counseling center and into the different colleges so that yep. nobody has to walk into the counseling office, that it's it's right there in the gym. It's it's in the lounge where, you know, your education college is. So um, it's in the religious services offices um, so that kids aren't feeling like, uh, you know, the stigma of walking into a counseling center. It's just part of the community, which is a good thing to ascertain when you're talking about going to college. Yeah, that's that's a great point, Mandy, because I think colleges today are doing a great, great job of destigmatizing mental health, you mm-hmm. know. And I don't know who coined the phrase, maybe you do, Mandy, but you know, it's okay not to be okay. Yep. You know, colleges are doing a great job of getting that message out and bringing mental health into the smaller colleges at a large university or the residence halls. Um, that's just a a great, great structure. Yeah. I would actually also say that, um, you know, maybe because we're all online so much, a lot of schools are doing virtual counseling and some schools have even set up Zoom rooms within the university, like a Zoom room in the library or, you know, in your residence hall. You could be doing Zoom, you know, you could be talking to your parents or you could be on a counseling call because you can't necessarily have a session with your therapist in your dorm room with your roommate sitting on the bed next to you. They've done a great job, you know, um, pivoting to yeah. provide those resources. That's a great point. Yeah. Well, some schools, I think, have done a better job than others. Mm-hmm. So those are some good questions to ask. Yeah. And mm-hmm. again, you're not going to get that. You have to be proactive to ascertain that information. Yes. And I think you brought up a good point um, also that I just want to stress um, the number of sessions and the average waiting list. because. Mm-hmm. Um, both of those things are real um, and there can be weeks long waiting lists and many schools have a five to 10 session limit. So if you've got significant mental health issues, that's nothing. That's really just a a little bandaid. So you need to know that either that's going to be okay and you're going to find mental health services outside of the school or you need another plan. Yeah. uh, And I think, I think that's a, a great point, Mandy. I think the majority of schools um, are going to are going to cap um, your sessions. So mm-hmm. if you need to see a mental health therapist on a weekly basis, you're going to need to probably go into the community and right. have to go off campus. Yep. And, you know, I'm not even judging that because resources are what they are. Um one of the things that I always say about grief is that you don't necessarily need counseling because grief is just a normal, natural response. Everybody goes through it. Um, What we need to do is create other systems on college campuses. So teachers need to be able to know how to just check in with the students. Your RA needs to know how to check in. Your your roommate, your coach, your TA. Um, We can all talk about, you know, grief and loss uh, because we all go through it. Yeah. And, and, you know, that that peer mentor model is so popular. I know in one of your your prior podcasts, you had somebody who led a peer um, yeah. a peer-to-peer counseling program at Penn State, and they are popping up all over the place, you know, yeah. and that's great. You mm-hmm. know, that's yeah. just a great model. Absolutely. 
This podcast is brought to you by Inner Harbor, providing support and education to grieving students everywhere. Inner Harbor provides workshops and trainings for staff and students, teaching you how to support other grievers. So if you are interested in learning more about how we can educate your class, your fraternity, your sorority, your team, your club, or your agency, go to www.inner-harbor.org to learn more. You can also subscribe to our weekly newsletter and check out all of the other services we offer. If you're enjoying the podcast, you can also sponsor an episode by checking out the sponsorship page on the website. And if you're feeling extra generous, you can go to Apple or Audible Podcasts and leave a review. Now back to the show. So for parents who have, you know, maybe high school seniors or juniors or even younger, as they're starting to think about college, what are some things that you think we should be thinking about to help prepare our kids to go to college? So um, (laughs) I'm going to use, I think, one of your favorite words, Mandy, (laughs) because I know it's the title of one of your your, one of your presentations and it's resiliency, right? We need to, and I think if you talk to student affairs staff at any university, they would say, you know, the kids are just not resilient anymore. And it's one of those buzzwords, but it really refers to, you know, your ability to, to manage failure and disappointment and, you know, how well you're able to advocate for yourself and have some of those basic life skills. So a couple of weeks ago, I was speaking, and this is a a fascinating story, but it illustrates the point. I was speaking to somebody who works student affairs at a college, and she told me this story. They had an event one night on campus, and they provided, you know, pizza and soda for the kids. And, um, you know, the next day she, she gets into work, she opens up her email. It's from a parent. Her kid attended the event, you know, they ran out of pizza and the parent is, how come you ran out of pizza? My son didn't get any pizza, blah, blah, blah. You know, that, you know, and and that's what these student affairs staff at, at these universities are dealing with, you know. So kids need to be able to, you know, deal with these problems on their own. Absolutely. I know that's, yeah, you know, and, and there's another funny story. A couple of years ago, I ran into, uh, I met a, I met someone and we were just talking, his son was going to college. And in the course of our conversation, he told me that, you know, his son, his son was 18, had never in his entire life woken up by an alarm clock. His whole life, it was, he woke up his son or his wife or this kid woke up, you know, organically. He never heard the, you know, and it's those simple things that we yeah. have to, you know, and I don't want to shame anyone. You know, I'm not a perfect parent. You're not mm-hmm. a perfect parent. But it's those simple life lessons, how to advocate for yourself, how to, you know, suck it up if you don't get a slice of pizza, you know, that we have mm-hmm. to teach our kids. And I think that's what's uh, that's what uh, student affairs staff at colleges are really challenged with yes. these days. I um. I'm like, okay, so a moment of, um, what's that word when you go to church and you tell the priest? Confession. Confession. Thank you. Clearly I'm Jewish. So um, 
I literally yesterday, I'm on like these parent pages on Facebook for, you know, my older son at his college and some of the ones for my younger son that he's considering. And one of the parents in the old, in my older son's page posted a picture, something about the dining hall that it said, like, you're now allowed to use four swipes a day instead of three swipes a day, which they're trying to, you know, I think mitigate some of the issues that they're having with like the long lines and whatever. So I screenshotted that picture and sent it to him and said, just want to make sure you know that you now have four swipes. And he immediately responded and said, mom, do you think you know more about what's happening on my college campus than I do? <laughs> and I, and I was, and I wrote him back and I'm like, I'm sorry, that's called helicoptering. <laughs> I need to like leave you alone and let you figure these things out. But you're absolutely right. I mean, we all do it, right? Yeah, we all do, you know, and when nobody's perfect, you know, Yes, but uh, it was just, and this guy was just so funny. He's like, oh, man, I, I just don't know how this kid got to 18 without knowing how to set an alarm. You know, right. we were laughing about it. Um, but, you know, we just have to, you know, it's those simple things that we, we have to teach resiliency, you know, because you go to college, you know, you don't like a, a grade uh, that, that you get, you know, it's going to be you that's going to have to, you know, fight with the professor. Your parent, you know, your parents can't do it, obviously. No, right. Yeah. Um, I think that would really get you into trouble if you have yeah. your parents running to yeah. trouble. <laughs> uh, I would agree. I would agree. So any other um, hints or tips for parents as far as mental health goes when they're preparing their kids to go to college? Anything that you think they should, you know, talk to them about? Um, you know, I think for those kids... That are that take medication for whatever reason, you know, you have to have a medication transition plan. You know, it's probably not a good idea to go off your meds, you know, the first week of college. Um, but you need to really kind of have some difficult conversations with your kids about, um, you know, medication and really about everything, you know, mm -hmm. um, drinking and you know, sex and roommates and all those things that kids don't really want to talk to their parents about. But they, again, like you said before, they need to know that you're going to be there for them regardless, you know? Absolutely. Um, I also yeah. think that as parents, we often just focus on like the goodness that's happening, right? Like this is such a, you know, you worked so hard. We as parents have worked so hard to get our kids to college and we focus on like how amazing it's going to be and all of the opportunities that are going to be available. And we don't necessarily talk about the fact that this is a huge transition. Mm -hmm. And for a kid who's experienced some kind of a loss, which basically you could say every single student right now is experiencing a loss due to this pandemic. So going to college and dealing with a big transition like this will bring up feelings of loss. So they mm -hmm. should kind of, you know, it's it's a good idea to prepare your kids to know that, that you're going mm -hmm. to experience some of these things and that's normal and there's nothing wrong and, you know, it's okay. That's good advice. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Thanks. You know, I think the other thing that, that parents should be looking at is, you know, what kind of supports, and, I, and, and this is kind of not mental health counseling, but what kind of supports are going to be there? you know, for a kid um, that might be struggling, you know. Um, so I know some colleges, you know, the professors will contact the student affairs office if, you know, a kid misses the first 
three classes or something like that, you know? Mm-hmm. And those are also like very good questions to ask. A lot of colleges, you know, I don't know if if they had it where your son attends, but, you know, a lot of colleges have these first year college success seminars, you know, mm-hmm. where they teach kids how to navigate college. And that's something that parents should take a look at as well. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and the other thing, you're right before when you said that, you know, they talk all about like their intramural dodgeball and those kinds of things. But actually, I think there are some things that we should pay attention to, like clubs in general can really be a good outlet for people with, you know, mental health challenges with who have experienced loss. Like the photography club might be the way that they express their grief or, you know, they need to know that there are hiking clubs so that they have places to go. So those are, you know, it's not just the counseling center that's going to meet all of your mental health needs. In fact, they probably won't meet all of your mental health needs. So you you have to think about, you know, what other opportunities are available on a campus. You you do, Mandy, and that's a great point. And it's always good, if possible, to connect to those organizations before you matriculate, you Mm -hmm. know, whether it's you know, the hiking club, like you mentioned, mm-hmm. or the Hillel. And, you know, I'm a big fan of, you know, if, if a kid has the talent to, to play college sports, they should really strongly consider it because that's a built-in network right there. You know, obviously the arts, um, it is really a great way to connect yeah. the college. You know, a lot of people think fraternities and sororities are the way that they're going to build connections. And there are, you know, obviously there are advantages and disadvantages to those systems, but you can connect, you know, the summer before you step foot on campus to, you know, the outdoor club, the Hillel, the Christian fellowship, whatever, um, you're going to be in a little bit better shape. Absolutely. Yeah. So how do you think like the state of mental health is on college campuses right now? Um, Not good. Not good. So it's good news and bad news. You know, I think the bad news is, you know, by, you know, any report that you read, any statistics, you're going to see more kids are depressed, more kids are anxious, more kids um, are are struggling, you know. But the good news is, you know, colleges are really working hard to address the needs of those students, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, So and I think they're doing a really good job of destigmatizing mental health. And we spoke about that before, you know, poster campaigns, or, or, you know, whatever, just a ton Mm -hmm. of different programs. Um, They're doing a very, very good job of trying to to meet the demand. That's great. And it sounds like parents and students probably even more so than parents need to advocate for what they need. And they are listening. They have to advocate for what they need and they have to ask difficult questions on the front end, you know, Mm -hmm. real nuts and bolts questions. Yeah. You know, because mental health services are not created equally, you know, they're not, and they're not sexy. So it's not like, I don't know why every single campus thinks that we want to know that they have a, uh, is it Quidditch? Is that like the Harry Potter thing? They have a Quidditch club. Like, I don't know why they, they all have a Quidditch club. (laughs) Yeah, you know, <laughs> one of the one of the presentations I went to the other night again, it was virtual. You know, I mean, he spent. You know, I think each college had five minutes. This guy spent forty five seconds. 
talking about the hammock club on campus. You know, everyone loves hammocks, but right. is that more important than, right. you know, mental health? I mean, right. come on, Mandy. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> I was like, great, you know, habits are fun, but mm-hmm. you know, other things are more, you know, yeah. that's 20% of his presentation. Yeah, I think that that's, you know, but that is like the kind of sexy, intriguing things that people want to hear, but it really doesn't get at the nuts and bolts that they really need to know about. And that's why Ron, that's why I really recommend that book by Ron yeah. Lieber. He really talks about you know, some of the hard things that we as consumers, you know, which we are as college parents, um, need to ascertain. Yep. Excellent. So how are you? How are you doing in the middle of this pandemic? Uh, Thank you for asking. (laughs) I'm doing good. I'm doing good. So early on in the pandemic, you know, um, I was talking to my mom and she gave me like just a great piece of advice, you know. Um, She goes, just focus you know, on your family, you know, my, my, you know, I'm very fortunate. I have a great wife, two great kids, you know, and I'm also very, so, you know, just try to focus on them. And I also am very fortunate that I have a job that I love to go to every day. So, um, yeah, I try to make, you know, lemonade out of lemons, so to speak. Absolutely. Good. Yeah. I'm glad that you have that support. That is very helpful. So if people have other questions or want to reach out to you or have hopefully um, a sophomore in high school that's getting ready to think about this college process, how can they reach out to you and get some more help? Sure. The easiest way is to email me at brett at sensiblecollegecounseling.com, brett at sensiblecollegecounseling.com, mm-hmm. or you can go to my website and there's a um, a contact, contact us And you can always reach me through the website as well. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you, Mandy. Thank you so much to Brett for this really interesting conversation. And as always, thank you to Stephen Bluestein for audio production. Next week, I have Michelle Post on the podcast. She is a psychotherapist. She has a practice. She's a licensed marriage and family therapist specializing in helping people cope with trauma, change, grief, loss, stress management, and burnout. Uh, In 2019, she left her corporate role uh, to create this thriving private practice and consulting business. We're going to actually be talking about another passion project of hers, which is organ donation. We're going to talk about how to talk about organ donation and why it's important for college students to be thinking about it. So I'm excited to have her on the show, and I look forward to that next week. That's all for today. Good morning to all of you.